And welcome to Pod Pod. I'm Rihanna Dillon, and I am joined this week by contributors Adam Shepherd, editor of Pod Pod, and Matt Hill, who runs the production company Rethink Audio and is the co-founder of the British Podcast Awards. Hello to you both. Thank you so much for coming on again. Hello, hello. Good morning or afternoon. Depends when you listen. <laughs> daytime, nighttime. Good daytime to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've got a really exciting interview today. I loved doing this so it's our first live podcast kind of because we recorded this from podcast day 24 a podcasting conference and we spoke to the team behind decode spotify's podcast which delves into albums so every episode they talk about a new track and they go through it pretty much line by line analyzing explaining decoding so I spoke to Kayo Chingonyi, composer Axel Cacoutier, and managing director at Reduced Listening, Joby Waldman. But first of all, I kind of wanted to reflect for a minute because Podcast Day 24 was a huge, huge deal. I was there all day. I was sort of comparing. Matt, you were also doing... Also there. Also there. You were co-comparing. Is that a thing? Co-hosting. I'd say co-hosting. I guess so, yeah. I'm not doing as well as you. <laughs> it's so interesting to think about when I first started out in podcasting so many years ago now with you, Matt, because we did the yeah. After Guru podcast together at a time when we still had to explain to people what podcasts were. Kind of going around convincing people to be on our podcast, we had two mics between us it was always portable and it was so funny kind of being up on stage at podcast day 24 and looking at an audience knowing that people were watching around the world to find out the latest news about podcasting but can you tell us a little bit about what podcast day 24 is why you've been involved in this and kind of what's been happening in those 10 years since we did the BAFTA Kuru podcast you've got 30 seconds to go wow okay no I'm joking <laughs> So Podcast Day 24 is a collaboration between the British Podcast Awards, which uh, I run, uh, the Australian Podcast Awards, which I also run, not just me, there is a team, but I co-founded the British ones and we took over the Australian ones a while ago. And also Radio Days Europe, which is a leading publicly funded organisation for basically doing events around radio and audio in Europe. And so what that means is that Podcast Day 24, which kind of had an outlet in Australia, Australia and we've done events in North America as well and also in London what I think was interesting about it was it has the London event has a very European feel so we're very much looking east towards what's going on in France and Germany as well as showcasing the best of what Britain has to offer as well uh, some amazing talks from Norway with NRK which is a really reputable broadcaster that a lot of um, documentarians absolutely love as well as Sweden and uh, Poland and lots of places which was really really fascinating to hear the stories on one of the ones which i really loved was a session that was hosted by deutsche Welle, the uh, german broadcaster which had sort of collaborated with a company to create this pack of cards called a method kit and these cards were basically a little primer for how to create a podcast and I just found that absolutely fascinating because as someone who spends a lot of time talking to different clients with my day job at Rethink Audio, we will speak to a lot of clients who don't know what a podcast is 
and this pack of cards is really your kind of like face-to-face talking point of, okay these are the things you need in a podcast a host uh you might have some format points you know jingles and duration and whatever you know those little talking points to work out what your format is let's go through those and work out what is from this pack of 50 cards the show and all the elements of it and it just gives you something visual to work with which i just found absolutely fascinating because we we've all i think we all have this way of talking about what a podcast is to people who don't know do people still not know what a podcast is? Well, often they don't know how their brand translates into a podcast. You know, I mean, case in point, we launched last week a podcast with River Island, which is now Ooh. freely available called wow. Notes from the Island. And we've been working for the last nine months, really, with the brand to work out what that show is and how it will sound mm-hmm. to fit the brand, which is, you know, I mean, obviously they're really big on Instagram and TikTok and it's all fashionable models and stuff. And we've got none of that to play with because it's just people's voices yeah so we have to think about how that will sound how do we translate that brand into sound i think one of the really interesting shifts for me is because it's not anymore explaining what podcasts are it's now explaining how podcasts work and the the practical benefits that they can offer so i was at the campaign media week awards a few weeks ago And a lot of people were coming up to me and saying, look, we, you know, we're marketers. We really want to launch a podcast, a branded podcast for our brand. You know, we're really interested in exploring that as a channel. We don't know how to go about doing that. We don't know what metrics we need to be looking at. We don't know how to quantify and kind of sell the benefits to higher ups within the organization. What are some of the the things that we should be looking at from a kind of practical standpoint? So it's less about selling the idea of podcasting now. It's much more about, okay, how do we put that into practice in a sustainable and actually viable way. So what does that mean sort of financially then? We're talking about Decode, which is a Spotify original podcast. That is a podcast that needs so much money behind it Mm. because of the research, the sound design. You have an incredible host who has to do a lot of work on this. They have a very big team. So where is that money coming? You know, are they actually properly investing in podcasts like never before? Spotify is one of the companies that is investing the most heavily in the podcast space. I mean, we can see that from the battery of acquisitions that they've made over the last year in that space. They picked up uh, Pod Insights, they picked up Chartable, they picked up Wooshka, and those acquisitions, big money, have led to a pretty significant operating loss of 228 million euros uh, for the Q3 results, which is expected to reach uh, 300 million in Q4. But podcasting has been a substantial part of the 19% year-on-year increase in advertising revenue that Spotify has seen. So they're investing heavily in podcasting on a kind of platform and kind of corporate level because they are clearly expecting that almost 20% advertising growth to continue fueled by podcasts. And to a certain extent, you have 
these big showcase original projects which are really to bring people who are used to it an open podcast ecosystem whether that you're getting your things through podbean or whether you're getting through uh, the apple podcast app they're trying to lure people over to spotify but obviously most of the podcasts on spotify are freely available in the open market so they're just trying to give you a reason to bring all of your podcasting over to spotify mm. and then find all the music and everything else in there as well yeah absolutely do you think that's going to be successful do you think that is the way that it's going to work from the way that you know that people consume podcasts and music which is quite different it's sustainable in the sense that they don't have to do all these big showcase shows forever and once people are on the app and they find it a nice place to be and they are using what for all their audio needs then it'd be harder for them to leave mm. i think it's more a question of like how many series of all of these shows they do before they cut back a little bit on what they do yeah uh, it's a slightly different business model to audible where they need to continually create new mm. grandstand content mm. that persuades more people to go behind the paywall i think with spotify you've got the added advantage of that huge podcast listening catalogue that, mm. that's there regardless of whether you're paying for it or not. Yeah, and I think Spotify is actually doing a lot to convert people who are maybe new to the world of podcast consumption into listeners. I mean, if you're on Spotify already for your music listening, if a, a really interesting podcast pops up on your home screen or in your recommendations you're much more likely to check it out and find yourself getting drawn into the wider kind of podcasting world. I'm sure we've all had this. You have your kind of gateway drug of podcasts, whatever that is. You start out listening to one, maybe two shows, and before you know it, you've got 14 hours worth of of audio content in your kind of queue, and it all goes to hell in a handcart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fundamentally, I think Spotify is going to find itself in a very strong position in regards to podcasts if it keeps funding and producing really exceptional shows like the subject of today's episode. Decode is a fabulous podcast and it's one that has slid firmly into my favourites. It is a really beautiful podcast, actually, and I, I do love that it breaks down the albums line by line. It's incredibly satisfying. Mm. So let's hear from the team behind Decode then. Here I am on stage with poet and presenter Kayo Chingonyi, composer Axel Kakutier, and managing director at Reduced Listening, Joby Waldman. So welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. So the sound design of Decode is lovely. It is so evocative and emotional and you can tell that Kaya also is a poet. This is more of an artistic experience than a fan podcast and it is just so beautifully well written, researched, presented, produced. Let's hear a clip before we go any further. Can you uh, introduce it? We're going to hear the opening of episode one, season one, uh, which focuses on Dave's psychodrama. Tuesday, 23rd of January, 2018. A young man rises from bed late. He's on his way to a recording studio in southwest London, head buzzing with ideas, notes app in his phone, full of lyrics. He's an MC, producer, grade seven pianist. 
Today, he starts work on his first album, a long player designed to take us deep into his mind. The songs he'll make will tell of a young man, one who's careful, reckless, arrogant, extravagant. If we listen in, we'll hear him navigating his past, taking us into his therapy sessions, leading us on a journey via buses and trains, confronting some of the lowest lows, deprivation, violence, and the highest highs, fame, money. He's a man on the cusp of greatness in a world where racism is ever-present. And it's not always clear who's on his side in a capital city where wealth and poverty brush past each other on a daily basis. If we take our time and take in the whole album, paying close attention, we may find out about our collective psyche, the society that informed it, where we, the listeners, fit in to the world of this young man. Which begs the question, who is he? Wow, what a way of pulling you in. What an intro. So we'll go more into that clip in a minute, but first of all, Joby, perhaps you can tell us how the podcast came about. It was inspired by the US podcast Dissect, which goes into great depth, one track at a time, about great hip-hop albums from the States. So they've covered The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, Kendrick Lamar's Damn, and Spotify UK came to us and several production companies and asked us what it would sound like if we evolved that format but for a UK audience and with UK rap in mind they knew right from the beginning that they wanted to do Dave's psychodrama because there was so much within that album in terms of musical ideas as well as uh, lyrical ideas and social history so we started thinking about what we would do how we would make a British version of it Dissect is fairly sort of simple format which is like speech and clips of the music we thought well what if we could bring some rich sound design to the project and how would we use field recordings, how do we use um, voiceover actors and also other bits of music and archive and commission original music. So we're in Axel who really sort of created the sound world of Decode and the other thing that we thought we could bring was around the host. So Cole Kushner who invented Dissect is very well informed and has huge knowledge and passion for hip-hop but brings quite a sort of an academic approach and we thought that it would bring a lot to the podcast to have a, a host who who has a, a kind of more personal engagement with the music um, and so we were really really fortunate to find Kayo who as well as being a massive hip-hop nerd and an academic is also a published poet and um, an MC. Kayo, there is something about the rhythm of the way that you break down these albums that makes a listener actively listen. You can't put this on passively in the background. You know, it demands that you pay attention. What could podcasters learn about delivery and tone from poets? That's not to say poets have it perfectly. <laughs> um, but I feel like there's a pacing thing about space and silence, like in radio, in audio production, silence is almost like the enemy. If there's like dead air, it's a problem. I feel like what we do in a combination between myself, Axel and Rapskatai, who made the original music is that we use those spaces. Like 
Rapskatize my cousin, he knows my voice really well. Axel I've worked with before, he knows my voice really well. So they know where those spaces, those silences are. And I feel like when designing your sound world, thinking about silence as a unit of sonic currency, as opposed to the enemy, is a really powerful thing in terms of delivery, I think. That's so interesting. And I love how much I learn about Britain just from listening to the podcast as much as I learn about the musicians and the music. So the political context of the songs that you analyse comes up a lot. How do you balance talking about the political and social context and then dissecting the music? I feel like it's an it's a ongoing, mutating experiment. And I feel like the best experiments are a kind of hybrid between different things. So yeah, it feels like sometimes it's skewed towards one direction and then it skews another. And I like that movement between um, thinking about the context that made the album and then thinking about musicologically what made the album. And yeah, the compound of those two poles is like really fruitful, I think. Like we spend ages in the research process just talking about context, even before we talk about notes of music. like. The social context of an album is really important to what you get from it when you listen. You heard there how much love goes into the production. The soundscapes are so sensitive in places and the audio clips are incredibly well researched, sourcing specific audio clips of actual events. So Axel, tell us about how your work at The Guardian has helped you here, if it has. Yeah, I don't think... Um if it wasn't for working at The Guardian, working on daily podcasts every single day, developing my intuition, my instincts, and just giving the space to essentially be like, okay, this is more of a, a psychological foray into joy or depression. And what does that sound like? What are the sonic textures around that? Of course, daily news has its own field, but what's really exciting with um, Decode specifically and with the music that is essentially having its rightful space in whether it's in academia or whether it's art or whether it's um, just a pure love for the genre. Something that used to be, for me, quite a secret thing is now I'm able to celebrate it. And, you know, with psychodrama, I also grew up in Streatham as well. I, I love concept albums too, and it's the same approach to podcasting as a whole. The way I sound design is essentially like a concept album. So that's what I brought to working at The Guardian, and this is just a very natural fit to then bring it here, essentially. How much do you actually get to go out and gather sound effects with your microphone? The producers are my minions. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, I, don't have, I didn't have at the time the capacity to do it myself, but in episode three of um, season one with Streatham, asking Jack Halson to go and sit on a bus and record his trip up and down, specifically up and down. It can't just be one way because I need both announcements um, and both presentations. <laughs> um, you know, it's, 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 it's quite fun to be able to do that. But hopefully... Maybe in the next season, it'll be me with my own gear, bringing things to life that way. So, yeah. Interesting. Joby, working with a global company kind of just seems like the dream in terms of podcasting. That's often cited as a goal. So what was it actually like working with Spotify? It was great. <laughs> they're, they're wonderful. <laughs> um, 
But no, we had a really passionate um, commissioning exec, in the, uh, Rob Fitzpatrick, who has deep love for Dissect and really wanted to get this right. And Spotify are well resourced, and so they were able to resource the project properly. Um, and it meant that we were able, you know, this idea of like how how might you invent this? It was meaningful. Like it was like okay, you can really like dream a bit and then you know bring those ideas and make them happen so we were able to bring in a really substantial team you know behind the script there's a really important collaboration between experts from different fields so for each album we invite four researchers we have um, a grime journalist Joseph Patterson a musicologist, Shara Rambaram, um, a cultural historian, James McAnally, and archive researcher, Raymond Tanner. And they each go into their seam and dig and come back with their take on the album, create a dossier. So then these dossiers come in to the producers and to Kayo and Axel. And on season one, we had two producers, Jack Housen and Amy Bennett, and we all get together and, and like, talk through the themes and and then there's like multiple iterations of the script there's like a, probably about four iterations of the script after which point the script goes back to the researchers and they review it so it it's grounded in sort of expertise and we're able to you know really it doesn't necessarily take a huge amount of their time but it just means that what goes in there you know there's some nuanced readings of like you know music and gets very detailed and we you know need to make sure that it's right so we're able to do that and that that's because you know Spotify have got that sort of um, attention to detail and ability to fund it. I'm sure anyone who works in the industry must listen to this podcast and think yeah but what about the fair usage <laughs> like that is a that must come up so much using commercial music in podcasts is notoriously complicated because of rights issues and clearances so how did you navigate that right yes yeah, so using music in podcasts sometimes the received wisdom is that you, you cannot use commercial music at all and so we did use the principle of fair dealing in its truest sense in the uh if you're critiquing a piece of music then it's fair to play a bit of it how you do that there are certain principles that you've got to fulfill around crediting songwriters and the producers and also exactly how much you can use of it. The 30-second rule isn't a rule. <laughs> Don't know where it came from, but um, there are other principles like you just have to use just enough, which is fair. It all comes to this sort of concept of, of fairness. Um, and also you, you can't use more than half of a clip or a piece of music. Um, so all of this kind of creates editorial challenges. Um, so we have to get really familiar with fair dealing law. Um, and then, yeah, the other thing you can do is you can use commercial music to illustrate a social or political point. So just basically every use of music we interrogated mm. um, and using that along with original music, we're able to do it like that. I think I'm going to play a little clip yeah, from, um, this is from season two, which has a bigger production team expanded with, with um, more producers. This is from episode eight, Man, and the album is Skepta's Konnichiwa. Cause man get money with the gang, man get girls with the gang, man eat food with the gang, man talk slang to the feds, can't work out what I just said to a man. Told me you was a big fan, but the first thing you said when you saw me is can I get a pick for the gram? I was like, no, sorry man, I only socialise with the group and the gang. Three little letters, a whole lot of meaning. Man might just be the most malleable word in multicultural London English. In this section of the song, man is used in three distinct ways. As a stand-in for I, 
Man eat food with the gang, man talk slang to the feds. I eat food. I talk slang. Then the same word is used to mean something else entirely. Can't work out what I just said to a man. This time man refers to someone else, a general other person. The police, feds, can't work out what I just said to a man, to this guy, to my friend. And finally, I was like, nah, sorry, man. Here man stands in for the specific pronoun, you. Sorry, mate. Man can be whatever you need it to be. You ain't even got to be a man or be speaking to a man to use it. Nah, sorry, man, doesn't necessarily mean sorry, male person. But make no mistake, grime, as Skepta describes it, is an unashamedly masculine space. The clue's in the title, man. One of the things that I love the most listening to the podcast is that your kind of love of homophones, Kyle, I think. You, you really do take pleasure in that. And I love hearing all of these different words that have so many multiple meanings that I would never have got to myself. What is your kind of favourite part of kind of drilling down into the detail of these albums, which is the bit that you get really excited talking to an audience about? I feel like writing poetry sometimes is obscured from... I guess the the poetic tradition of rap in the popular imagination. So like just connecting different people who are similarly interested in words from like people who do like word based like puzzles to like rappers, MCs, writers, all of these people have that same playful celebration of language. So I guess it's just that being lost in that. Yeah, getting swept up in it myself is really like fun probably in, re- in recording, like listening back to the clip and just remembering what somebody did in that moment and trying not to let that come across in my voice too much that it's like, that we have to retake it. That kind of moment is really good. It's really like infectious and mm. I'm connected to the music again when we're thinking about those kind of nuggets, those moments of play, basically it's play. Axel, regarding the sound, we've kind of talked so much about collaboration. How does that work with the sound? You know, like, for example, like the piece that we played at the top. Presumably you're not just handed a finished narration track and just told to soundtrack it. On a good day, sometimes it is the case. Oh, no. um, <laughs> that, is, that, that is the thing. I also work with a lot of prompts with that the producers would um, leave in the script for me to interpret. I've been very lucky that a sound entering a portal works in the way that, you know, there's like a very Doctor Strange type of portal or a very, I don't know, another kind of game portal sound that I would then, I don't know, I feel basically what I'm trying to say is that there have been very few occasions where that collaboration has been like the awkward, oh, like, what did you do here? Could you not? Um, and could we try this? And yeah, all that kind of stuff like that. So um, it's, it's, there's a very intuitive understanding shall we say of what I can do and bring to life and I think also as well because Kyo's words are so evocative in a way that I think it just harmonizes with my own sensibilities of how I see the world or like to move in the world that it just there's a lot that is left unsaid and it just yeah you just leave with a feeling which sometimes can be quite risky but I think we've got a lucky makeup with the team that it just flows in a way that 
yeah, there hasn't there hasn't been those kind of I was going to say difficult conversations, but there's part of those conversations where it may potentially, depending on the different type of team, that could be a bit awkward or ego gets in the way. It's just like, oh, like Joby told me to get rid of this sound and da 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 da. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but that, that's never happened. So, yeah, it's all good. I'm, I feel really lucky about that. I could honestly talk so much more. I'm so excited for season three, but that's all we've got time for. Please give it up for the wonderful Decode panel. Thank you so much, Joby, Kayo, and Axel. And we didn't just let the Deco team rest after their chat with me on stage. We caught up with them afterwards to find out some of their best pieces of advice when it comes to podcasting. I think you need to define success for yourself. Does that mean more people listening to it? Does it mean the people who listen to it engage in a particular way? How do you drive that engagement? Does it mean like a certain kind of artistic standard or quality that you're trying to do does it mean covering certain subjects so i guess yeah defining success is the main thing because there are as many podcasts formats and types as there are like types of listener and you could spend a long time trying to make your podcast something that it isn't but if you lean into what it is then that's when somebody who's looking for that will find it Take a deep breath and a long view. Creating a podcast is a long journey. It's a long road. It's like publishing a zine or creating a publication, like a, you know, a newspaper or something, in, in the sense that they run on and on and it's great for it to evolve within that. But I think sometimes we think of podcasts as a bit like a sort of a radio program, which is like a short series where you can go in depth about something. And it's really important that that form exists, but in the podcast space, they grow over years. And so you're probably looking at building up a catalog. To add to that, I guess those are very two good points. Um, I guess it's kind of like bringing it to the reason why you wanted to make a podcast in the first place and making sure you align to that. Um, as much as possible so it's the balance between committing to that original vision as well as making space and flexibility and malleability of the life that it will then have of its own essentially and you know it's a balance between what you want to do slash how the people are engaging with it and essentially having the courage to commit to whatever decision that is and being okay to go back and change something if it makes sense to you know so it's a a real heart-centered thing as well at the core of the business of what you're trying to make and exist in this world. And we asked them for the one thing that they wish they'd known before they started podcasting. I don't know. I mean, for me, it's like, it's not that deep. I mean, like, it's, <laughs> that's, the, that's literally the first thing that came to mind. As in, like, it's, it's not that deep in the sense of just, yeah, there's, there's the numbers. Yes, there's the engagement. Yes, there's this amazing thing. But just like with everything, to be honest, make space to not be the thing that you are making as well and know that you can pick it up again tomorrow. I guess the thing to reflect on for me, coming from a background of performing published work and being a writer and existing in that space of writing, is that this kind of writing is different. There's a lot more space in it. Yeah, I guess it's important to learn, if it's a scripted podcast, it's important to learn what kind of form you want to use, because that makes... That makes the development of the podcast artistically, creatively, even more rich if you have that kind of basis in form. So think about sound and play with sound. Like it's an audio medium and quite often people uh, may be tempted to get caught up in the words and the facts and you know 
getting across the information which is important but whether it's the music or little bits of sound design or going out and recording some sound in the street like it just makes the whole experience richer and so if you can find a way to use sound to tell stories the listener will thank you i absolutely loved that i loved talking to decode and like you said at the top adam it is become very quickly one of my new favorite podcasts and actually hearing kind of the insights that they brought to it the research that's needed the way that Axel Cacoutier goes about the sound design all of that I just thought was fascinating Matt you were actually there in the room when it was happening what did you think yeah I mean it's fascinating to see the way in which reduced listening have worked with Spotify on the show you know taking something which was an American format and making it their own and interesting to note that they are doing the same thing with Pod Save America because they're the production company behind Pod Save the UK which we talked about last week Exactly. So just being mm-hmm. able to translate those American hits into British ones is, is clearly something they do really well. Uh, and also to a really high standard with a big team of people behind it. You know, not all production companies are set up like that. And I think uh, they do it really well and with real high quality results. Mm. One of the things that really stood out for me about that session is when they were talking about the amount of researchers Mm. they have. They've got four different researchers focusing on four separate kind of distinct areas. And it really gives the podcast an amazing depth in terms of the content and the context that they bring to it. And that's something that I think really powerfully illustrates the importance of good research and good planning when you're making a podcast. There really is no substitute for just doing the legwork. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what I mean by satisfying. It's sort of like every line that comes out, you not only get a breakdown of the line from the album, you get an analysis from, as you say, multiple people's perspectives as well. You know, I don't think we can necessarily ascribe all of the things that Kayo is saying to the artists all the time in the same way that with any piece of art as soon as you have a bit of hindsight you find more in there that perhaps was meant and that's such a great pleasure to do I've never really done that with music before so yeah a really special one this week so as a giant UK and grime hip-hop nerd I'm going to throw a question out to you guys is there an album that you would love to see Decode cover for season three Because I've definitely got one. What's yours? I would love to see Decode cover Kano's Made in the Manor, which came out in 2016 and is a fantastic album. It has such standout tracks as Nubanger, and it's just dripping with really rich kind of lyrical and musical imagery that I would love to see uh, the Decode team really dig into. I mean, it's got to be Stormzy, hasn't it? Heavy is the head. I mean... Oh, excellent shout. <laughs> just think oh. that's... It's just that's kind of crying out to be... But I also think Stormzy would do such a good job of doing that himself. So I don't know. Mm. Yeah, is there a point where they start getting guests on to discuss the, the album at the end of the season? Do you think? Maybe as like a bonus episode? I would always listen to that. Matt, what do you think? I mean, I I think I just need to nod sagely at both of your excellent recommendations <laughs> and keep my own 90s indie preferences to myself. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm also an indie kid. If the team want to take a kind of like a step by step through the Divine Comedy's Promenade from 1994, I'm all for it. 
<laughs> All for it. <laughs> to be fair, I would also absolutely listen to that. <laughs> it's just such a brilliant kind of endless format, this. So any album, mm. I think, is fair game. Thank you so much to Matt Hill and Adam Shepard for chatting all about Decode this week and for the Spotify stats. All really, really interesting and necessary for us in the world of podcasting to know about. Thank you for listening. You can find out more on podpod.com, our brand new website. Please do head there. There's loads of extra content and sign up to our daily email bulletins as well follow us on social at podpod official rate and subscribe if you would like to tell us how amazing we are we all love to hear it the podcast is produced by emma caution for haymarket business media and i'm your host rihanna dillon pod, 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 pod.